wherever you're watching, listening, wherever you are right now, it's an honor and privilege to hang out with you today as we wrap up our series called Defining the Relationship. Now, throughout this series, we've just been walking through issues that arise in relationships and how we navigate through those issues so that we can flourish in our relationship with our spouse, currently with our future spouse, and or with our children and each other as we go along defining the relationship. So today, I want us to have a little bit of fun. I had another, uh, I had another thing planned, but I'm going to go with this anyway, so we got to roll with it. Have you ever just woke up in the morning craving something? Like you just don't know. Like you wake up every morning craving something, and it may not be what's best for you. But you just don't know. Like, I think in the morning, maybe a Krispy Kreme donut. Maybe it's chocolate chip cookies. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's something that you know may not be good for you. Maybe it is something that's good for you, but it's too much of a good thing. But you wake up every morning, and you're craving something. And the crazy thing about this craving that you have is you can't just stop at one, can you? It makes me think of Pringles, right? Once you pop, you can't stop. Like, once you start with one can, you can't stop. Like, you got to keep going because you got to find out if the second one's as good as the first, right? Like, you just got to find out if it was made the same. Like, if you had a Krispy Kreme donut or you had some mini chips Ahoy, maybe you had some mini chips Ahoy and perhaps some mini Oreos, and you just got to see if it tasted the same as the first time. You see, for many of us, isn't that how we go about life? We wake up craving something every morning. Maybe our relationships are that way as well. Maybe we have decided in our relationship we're not going to be with a person who's this personality type again, and we're in a cycle after cycle after cycle, and we're right back with that same person again and again. There's this craving in us. We can't define this craving in us that we don't, we, we feel like we can't control. And the thing that we go about this is this, why do we do it? Why do, we, why do we want Oreos or Chips Ahoy in the morning? Why is that cussed, for lack of a better term, hot and now sign, so radiantly glowing at Krispy Kreme at the moment I'm stuck at the red light? Like no other time but that time, why in the world is that? And why does my car automatically go in autopilot, stage right, automatically go in autopilot into the drive through Why does that happen for us? Why do we do that? The answer is there's a fight going on inside of us. And that's where I want to start today as we talk about they live on love. We've talked about navigating singleness. We've talked about navigating marriage. Last week we talked about navigating life with children. And today I want to talk about they live on love. And that's what we're going to dive into. So if you've got your Bible today, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians 5 to start and talk about this fight inside of us. And once we understand this fight and these cravings inside of us, we're going to flip left a couple pages to Ephesians 5, and we're going to go to what's most familiar that you hear at weddings and unpack that today as we talk about living on love. So if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. You can follow along with us on the Bible app, or you can follow along with us on the Vine Church app as we build it out. So if you've got your Bible today, we'd love, love, love for you to get to 1 Thessalonians 5, and we're going to just walk through verse 23 and talk about these cravings inside of us. And it says this, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, circle, highlight, underline that, soul, circle, highlight, underline that, and body, circle, highlight, underline that, 
be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to say it again without the circle, highlight, and underlines. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The craving is that we are found blameless when Jesus Christ comes. That is what should be the craving. We talked about hungering and thirsting for the Lord last week. But the thing is, the thing is, inside of us, there's a fight going on between our body, our mind, and our soul. Our body, our spirit, and our soul, excuse me. Now, we won't get into dichotomy, trichotomy. I can talk to you about that all day long. That's a theological argument we can walk through. But hang in here with me today. We're going to be talking about body, soul, and spirit today. So can I do a little teaching in the beginning here? If you're with me, say amen. I hear some amen, so we're good. So we're going to do a little teaching to talk about this craving before we can dive into how that drives us in our relationships. If you're taking notes today, number one, I want you to know when Paul is writing this, and when this is going there, the body that he's talking about, the Greek word for that is soma. Soma. So if you were to read that or look at that, the Greek word there is soma, and it's talking about your physical body. It's talking about the body collectively as the church. We'll get to that at the end today. But it's, it's talking about your body and physicalness. In other words, image. Your body is fighting to project a certain image. It's almost beach season. It didn't take, COVID's changing, I know, but it's almost time where people try to get beach body ready. Like, it's almost that season, physicalness. We have an image we try to portray, and I want you to know when it comes to this fight in our body, image is everything. We talked about that in our singleness, how that can get us in trouble. How things look are how we react. And the thing is, when we're so consumed with image and filters in our life, all of a sudden we start comparing. And what happens in our life when we compare? We complain. And when we complain, where does that get us in our relationships? In a lot of trouble. Absolutely right. In a lot of trouble. So your body is always trying to project an image, and I want to be real with you. The problem isn't the image. The problem is when we are so consumed with our image and projecting an image, and it becomes image management, if you will, it overwhelms our authenticity. This is why it's not a problem with image. When God created man, what did he say? I will create them in our likeness and our what? In my image. We are made in the image of God, but when we care more about what we look about than who we really are, that's when there's an issue that rises. So imagine you're in a tug of war right here. Your body's fighting one way to make you look one way. Outside of your body, there's this thing that, that, that was written there, your soul. Your soul is fighting with you. Your soul. Now, the Greek word for soul is psyche. Psyche is where we get psychology. It's where we get all of these things. And what this wraps up in when it comes to soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. In the Bible, it's referred to as your heart. All right? So your heart, your mind, your will, your emotions. What is it Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21? Guard your heart for where your treasure is, your heart will follow. We talked about how we, a lot of times we were taught that wrong. You used to, we were probably taught where your heart is, there your treasure will be, but it's actually where your treasure is. If your treasure is image on your body, that, that's where your heart will follow, your mind, your will, your emotions. Why is this important for us when it comes to craving? Because in your mind, what you focus on will be the direction of your life. The will that you talk about in your life, my will, in the Western world where we are, we talk about our rights when it comes to our will. Like, we demand our rights. My will, I get it my way, it's what I was, that's what I was born with, inalienable rights. Like, I want it my way. 
And if it ain't my way, then it's the highway, right? Like that's where we are. We want it our way. So why does this matter? Because so many times in our life, we say that we should get what we deserved. And my friend, wherever you are today, I'm just going to take a side note to say, if we got what we deserved, we would live in a loveless, hopeless, helpless world because it would be a world without Christ because none of us deserve anything but death because of sin in our life. And so our soul is fighting with us. Now, now I talked about emotion. We talked about Søren Kierkegaard last week, uh, and we talked about emotion actually a couple of weeks ago and, and how we can be a slave to our emotions. And because we're following our will and we get our rights, we think that we're in freedom, but actually we're in slavery to our emotions because that's how we act. And because we act this way, our feelings guide our life. And how we feel today is how we should act, not something that's outside of us and transcends us. So this is at war with us. So for each and every one of us, we've got our body fighting for an image, our soul fighting for how we feel, and our heart constantly. We're born that way, but there's one more thing that's left when it comes to craving, our spirit. Our spirit. Now, as we dive into this, the, the Greek word for spirit is pneuma. This isn't going to be anything new for you. Uh, this is breath. And for each and every one of us, here's the thing when it comes to our body and soul. All of us are born with a body and soul. And our body and soul has always has been with us from the beginning, will always fight for image, will judge the world by how it looks in front of us, and how I feel is how I act in the world. But when the Spirit is awoken in us, in Christ Jesus, when we believe He is who He says He is, He lived the perfect sinless life we couldn't live, paid the penalty for our sins by dying on the cross, loved us enough, He didn't stay dead, He rose again on the third day, and before He ascended, He said, I will send one greater than I, and that is the Holy Spirit. That is the Spirit here. And when the Holy Spirit fell on us, it helps us, and it, it is our compass, it is our God, it is, the, it is our operating system for us to be authentically who we were created to be is in us. It's the new kid on the block when we become one in Christ Jesus. So this will make sense here as we go when it comes to our cravings for each and every one of us. If we have Jesus in us, our craving should be to hunger and thirst for the Lord, and the Spirit will guide us. It will direct our mind, our will, and our emotions, our heart, on things above by fixing our focus, not on our image and what things look like, but helping us walk in faith. But in our life, if we fall to the cravings of our body, our body and our spirit, our body and our soul constantly, what will end up happening is it'll be a constant tug of war. Now, here's where this plays out in our relationships. This is where it gets really hard. You see, the Spirit's the new kid on the block. Contrary to what you've probably been taught, maybe you believe this today, and I'm so thankful you're hanging out with us if you believe this. You aren't born saved. None of us are. We have the Spirit inside of us. As a matter of fact, when salvation happens, the Spirit applies salvation in our life. And the Holy Spirit in us, what this plays out to be is for all of us is when we become a Christian, when we profess that Jesus is Lord and believe that he died and rose again on the third day, the Spirit awakens inside of us. We were dead, but the Spirit has breathed a breath of life in us, and we are alive. What do you think happens? See, I'm the youngest in my family. What do you think happens when the little one tells you what to do? What do you think your body, your body and your soul tells the Spirit? Calm down, little one. Not now, young Padawan. Not yet. Not yet. But you see, the thing is, the Spirit should be the one guiding your life. The Spirit should be what you're craving. The Spirit is actually the thing that knows the way that your body and soul doesn't. The only thing your body and soul knows the way to is sin and death. The Spirit is the only way that knows life. 
So as we look at this, I want you to understand that and understand what we should be craving for because it plays out in our relationships because as we talk about they live on love, some folks right now may be at a crossroads and saying this, how in the world can we walk hand in hand when we don't see eye to eye? How can we walk hand in hand? How can we be like Alan Jackson's song? Like, how can we live on love? How can we do that? How can, how can it walk through fire without blinking? Like, how can we live on love hand in hand, walking down just like we did that day when we walked out of that sanctuary and we were pronounced husband and wife? How can we walk hand in hand when we just can't see eye to eye anymore? Maybe the kids have grown up and moved out. Maybe, maybe kids weren't in the future, but you're just at a turning point and a crossroads in your life. And I would move to say it all comes down to what you crave. All comes down to what you crave. You see, men, as we mature, this will make sense for us, as we mature, believe it or not, as we grow psychologically, as we talked about children are made to leave, we break with our household and become independent. And so as we get older and we grow, we actually move away from relationships. That's why you always hear men talk about iron sharpening iron and how men need to be together. Men move away from relationships as they mature. What do you think women do as they mature? They run towards relationships. Only Jesus can he take two people that are supposed to be drifting apart and bring them together. That's why he has to be that third strand to keep you together because naturally, husband, wife, men, women, as you get older, your bend is to grow apart. Your bend is to not be in relationships for men and to be in more relationships as women. And see, with that, we have to understand that, that that helps us understand, well, what's the craving that we have as we get over, over, older, excuse me, and as we mature, because we've got to figure out how to reconcile this. Because the reason we can't see eye to eye and walk hand to hand is we might just be ships passing in the night. And without Christ, we have nothing that binds us together. And remember, your marriage is a covenant. Your marriage points to something greater than you. So let's go to Ephesians 5, see how this plays out. They live on love. Is everybody with me? Say amen if you're still with me. Look, I'm doing that now. I probably shouldn't be doing that, but I like saying that. It helps me. A little crowd participation. It helps me out. Knows that we're here. So flip a few pages left. You'll get to Ephesians 5, and we're going to go to what you are used to hearing and what it can help us as husbands, wives, but actually in any relationship today as we learn about our cravings and what that looks like for us. Ephesians 5 and verse 21 is where we're going to start. We're going to go to 33. And so, I'm not going to tell you what to highlight, circle. I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit's going to tell you what to do, and I'm just going to read it. So how about that? We're going to do that, and I'm going to trust the Spirit's going to move as He's supposed to today, and then we're going to unpack this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do for the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, this is where all the men love for it to stop, and that be the end of the service, and then you don't have anything else written, and they're probably elbowing their wife, but get ready, because you might get a throat punch here in a second if you're not listening to the rest of this. So, just understand as we keep going. That was the Spirit that told me to say that, so we'll keep going as we keep going. But it says this. It didn't stop at wives. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. What did we just read in 1 Thessalonians 5? Holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. 
and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Remember in your marriage, it transcends just a relationship with you and your spouse. It points to something greater. The mystery is it points to the church. It points to what Christ has done for us, the bride of Christ, the church. So it affects each and every one of us. So I'm going to say what I said the other week before we go any further, and it's ground breaking, earth-shattering. You're not going to believe this. Men and women are different. I know science doesn't like to say that in the culture that we're in right now, but men and women are different. You can do things in a test tube, but it still requires a woman to carry that child to term before it has its breath, and it is out there. It takes a man and a woman to come together, and as much as we believe in science, that still hasn't changed. I don't care where we are, but men and women are different. And this is—if if you don't believe that, let me ask you this. Maybe you don't believe that, and you're saying, oh, poppycock, whatever that is. Let me ask you this. You hear a sound a sound down downstairs in the middle of the night. Who goes down to check it out? Men or women? Smith and Wesson, you're correct. It does. Smith and Wesson or Glock, yes, you're correct. But like, who goes down in the middle of the night to check it out? And that's okay. Men are supposed to be protectors. You're supposed to go down. She's, she's protecting the children. And if you send her down without you, don't tell your friends that. Like, let's be real. Don't. It just doesn't work that way. Maybe, maybe, maybe you don't get that. Maybe you're sitting here and you don't think you're different and you have children. If you really want to understand your spouse, look at your child. Because moms and dads will always say, oh, they're just like this, or they're just like that, or they look just like this, or they look just like that. Because why? They're made in your image. And you're made in the image of Christ. Your child is your spitting image. And sometimes they get the good qualities, but more than likely they reflect those things that you wish nobody would know about you, right? Like they do all the way through. Like I said, I love sometimes like you can get uh, kids are just so honest. They'll tell you everything, man. Be, <laughs> Daddy ate four chips ahoy this morning before he went out there. I thought, I thought dad was on a diet. Like what in the world are you talking about? Yeah, he did on the way, but he said it was holy. He prayed for it to be zero calories. So I guess it just, it worked out, right? It worked out. Like, if you want to see that in your life. So, as we talked about that a couple weeks ago, uh, this is where I'm getting, I'm going to rein it back in. We said, hey, when you're in a marriage relationship, it's not that your spouse is wrong because they do it differently. It just, they're different. Not wrong, but different. How I'm going to walk through this today with us is I want you to understand when it comes to that verse that we just read, and those verses, so many times we place greater importance on one spouse than the other. But I would move that both are equal. And this is how I know that. Look no further than the Trinity. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, three in one. All, are, all have a purpose. All are equal. But all are needed to accomplish what God was doing. The Father planned salvation all the way back in the garden. The Father planned salvation. Remember, it said he goes to the serpent, he goes to Satan and says, hey, you will strike his heel, but he will crush your head. That was planning for Christ to come for each and every one of us. Jesus came, the Son of God. He accomplished salvation for us. He did what we could not do, 
And then he gave us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit applies salvation to us. So all three work salvation in our lives, and all three have a part, but not one is greater than the other. Now, the Father lifted the Son up, and he placed his name above all names. But all three are needed for us to experience salvation to the fullest. So why in the world is that important for us? Because our conflict arises when we think one is more important than the other, because we'll once again tear each other down by saying one is right and one is wrong. I'll say it to you this way. How many relational issues could we solve in the world today if we would have our focus on the creator instead of fighting about the created? How much division would we have? It wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter what color you are. It wouldn't matter what, what sex you are. It wouldn't matter where you came from. It wouldn't matter what your bank account is. It wouldn't matter what your nationality is. It wouldn't matter anything. We spend all of our time fighting about God's created when together we're supposed to be looking to the creator. And that's what I'm getting at when I say this, when it looks to our cravings, because we have to understand what we crave. And when we do that, we can see how we can live out better loving God and loving others. So here's where I'm going. This familiar verse that has been used as a sledgehammer for too long in the church. And it's Ephesians 5:33, And it says this. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Now for a long time, that's been brought in, that's been left the church and it's gone out into these hollers and hills and out into the highways and byways and it's been used to be brought into the home and say you must respect me and it's been beat down on women it's been done that and that's what i want to clear up today because here's what here's what this verse is saying unloved women react without respect and want out of a relationship because what a woman craves is love we're going to unpack this more Ladies, disrespected men react without love and want out of a relationship. They don't fight to stay in it. You see, what this verse is unpacking right here is your wife, men, her craving is love. Ladies, your husband or any man in your life, as you're looking at this, his craving is respect. And both work together and both have to go together for this cycle to keep working between us. So let's unpack what that looks like. So ladies, I'm not telling you to tune out. We've already cleared up today that men and women are different. We've agreed to that. And so I just wanna talk to the husbands and men for a second and help us here when it comes to that craving. Husbands, men, the fundamental need of a woman is to be loved, loved and poured into emotionally, physically, and psychologically, it is how God created her. It is how God wired her. She does that most of the time through communication. That is how God made her. And so for us as men, we have to understand she's not waking up craving Chips Ahoy. She's craving love. That is her natural bend is to crave love from you. And that is why so many times, if there's not a love for the father in the home, for a daughter, many times, her craving for love is warped. Warped. And that's because men, we, we haven't stepped up. So husbands, I will be real. I, I said, hey, I want you to know, not greater than, but equal. It's still equal, but God calls us as men to lead our family and take the charge. That's what we're called to do. Lead our family to hunger and thirst for the Lord. And I'm just going to be, I'm just going to put my cards on the table. 
I'm fine with that. Because you know what? If ladies can squeeze a watermelon out of a lemon, I can definitely lead my family. And if you know, you know. I'm just saying, I can take, if they can take this, they can take this baby and carry this thing inside of them and feed it and hold it. I want to tell you, when it comes to ladies and love, like, uh, there's not many things in this world. I could tell you right now, and I love the love of a mother and father. I even got to see it play out this morning. But there's not many people in this world that you could be puked on, crapped on, peed on, uh, yelled at, screamed at constantly for food, and they still love you. Like, that is the beauty of a mother. That is the beauty of a lady. And I'm telling you, men, we can do that, but that's not our natural bend. So I'm telling you, thank God for that. So if God just says, hey, listen, dude, you don't have to go through all of that pain. All you got to do is lead, sign me up. I got two hands up, praising God, hallelujah, I'm ready to go. I can do that. That's something that we can do. But the thing is, naturally speaking, our bend isn't that way. We don't, want to make, we don't want to make decisions as men. As a matter of fact, we can live in the Peter Pan complex. Our entire life as we're young men, before we leave the nest, we are nurtured. We don't have to make decisions. Everything's taken care of for us. And if we're not raised the right way before we go out in the world to make these decisions, what will end up happening is we will be a 50-year-old man trying to be an 18-year-old kid because we're stuck in a Peter Pan complex. If you think that this is something that's just in this generation, go back to the garden. See, Eve gets a bad rap here. Go back to the garden. When the serpent comes up, it says that he talks to Eve and talks about the fruit. Do you not think Adam was standing right there beside her? You see, it comes out in the confession when God says, where are you? What have you done? Who does Adam point to? She made me do it. Adam was standing right there. You know what they were doing? They were outside. They were after church. They had already—God had just given this amazing message, and they were ready to go. And they had all of these trees to pick from to eat lunch, and they hadn't made a decision. He was like, darn it, I'm hungry. I need a snacky snack. And so she went out there, and the serpent deceived, and Adam was right there. And his passivity beside Eve is what caused sin in the fall of man. Eve was just like, you know what? If you're not going to make a decision, let's just eat this fruit. And what did Adam say? Okay, yeah, sure. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, why not? That's our natural bend. And then when we're called out on it, men, what do we do? She did it. It was all her. She did it. Men, that's not how we're called to operate. We're called to lead. It's against our nature to step out and make decisions. And this is how I know this about us men. Why do we love athletes? Not to step out and make a decision. It's the modern-day gladiator. That's why we got more Monday morning quarterbacks than NFL quarterbacks in the world we live in, because we love that people who step out and make decisions. And Christianity pushes back against that and says, men, you are called to lead. Now, I'm not trying to beat you up here, so hang in here with me. You are called to lead. You can be bold if you crave the Spirit not your body and soul. If you crave the Spirit, you can be bold and step out in faith, and the Holy Spirit will guide you. And when you do that, you'll be able to love your wife and give love to your wife. You'll be able to pour into her emotionally, physically, psychologically. You'll be able to do that. That's why when, when, when folks come to me with marital issues, and maybe they lived together before they were married, I'll look at the men the whole time. Because men, we're called to lead. Now, before, before I get something thrown at me, here's what I'm trying to say. And young men, wherever you are, this is the best advice I think that you could walk with. She should never be in a situation where she has to say no. That's your job to lead her where she doesn't have to say no. 
It's your job as a man. It's our job. That's our calling. She should never be pushed to the point where she has to tell you no. Because if she is, then that's our failure. That's our failure as men. And that's where we can step up to the plate. Don't worry, man. I'm going to talk to ladies in a second, but don't tune out. Just hear me out. This is, this is a challenge, but it's something that helps us as we understand our craving. Gary Thomas writes in Sacred Marriage, great book if you've never read it. A lot of folks read it in premarital counseling, or sometimes they read it as a married couple. I highly recommend that book. It's a great book. But he says it this way when it comes to us as men and it comes to our spouses and our partners. Whenever marital dissatisfaction rears its ugly head in my marriage, as it does in virtually every marriage, I simply check my focus, my mind right? I check what I'm looking at. I'm checking to see if, if all of a sudden my body is looking at the right thing, if my soul is looking at the right thing, I check my focus. The times I'm happiest and most fulfilled in my marriage are the times when I'm intent on drawing meaning and fulfillment from becoming a better husband rather than, de than demanding a better wife. In other words, men, we are called to go out and take the step. We're called to lead. Love your wife. Love your wife. Love your wife. Love her. As, you, as she grows and you grow together, she's going to tell you the things that makes you love her more. Some, some ladies don't like flowers. Some ladies do. Some ladies don't like chocolate. Some ladies do. Some ladies, I can tell you one thing that would not upset, I'm sure, any mother. And if they will, they'll throw something at me. Picking up the baby in the middle of the night when they're crying <laughs> instead, of, instead of not. Or, or taking the baby away for a time. Or, 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 or <clears throat> emptying the dishwasher, whatever that is. I don't know what that looks like for you, but she will tell you the ways that you can love her well. So men, love your wife. It is what she craves, and I promise you, your marriage will be stronger for it. Now, men, don't tune out because we tend to tune out. Uh, I want to talk to the wives or the ladies here. I want to talk to the women here for a moment and see this craving. And I want to say, first off, you've gotten beat up on this, but maybe it's because you haven't been able to be fully understanding of it. And I'm going to do my best to try to explain it today. But wives, here's what I have for you. The fundamental need, the craving of a man is respect. 100%. I'm going to tell you the depths of a man's love. If he wakes up the next morning and you're beside him, he knows you love him. It's that simple. I know that that does not sound deep because love isn't fully what we crave. That's not what, we're, it's not what we crave. Like, if you're still in the bed next to him the next day, yep, she loves me. We're good to go. Like, that's it. Especially, especially, you know, after putting up with everything probably that we've done. But like, if she's there, that's the depth of our love. But what we really crave is respect. And this is how I'm going to explain it to you. And men can help me out here if I'm wrong, but I will tell you, any man can tell you, this is what we struggle with. If you want to know what I mean by I say, uh, men crave respect is the thing that keeps me up as a man, and I could be wrong, and I'm sorry if I'm discounting you, but the thing that keeps most men, I believe, up at night is this question, do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes to lead my family? Do I have what it takes to lead this job? To, to be in this job? Do I have what it takes to maintain my home? Do I have what it takes to defend my home? Do I have what it takes to maintain what God has given me? Do I have what it takes to lead my children to hunger and thirst for the Lord? Like, do I have what it takes? And ladies, when you respect him, you give a resounding yes. Now, we're going to unpack what that respect looks like because I, I want you to see some examples when it comes to that. So, I know I didn't have a ton for the guys, sorry, but I'm going to help you out, ladies, because I'm a guy, so I can tell you something. So, think to the last barbecue you went to. 
Hopefully we'll get to have one here again soon. Like, what's the, the last barbecue you went to? There are a couple of groups of people there. The first is those with children praying to God that their kids don't break anything, and they're chasing them left and right, like in the home, like they're just praying to God they don't break anything or break any bones. Like, that's the first set of people. But then you have the ladies. Where are the ladies at normally? Don't give a sexist answer. Be real. Don't say the kitchen, although they could be. They could be on the front porch, but what are the ladies doing? They're having a conversation with each other somewhere, right? I want you to think about something. Where are the men? One of two places where the men could be, but I'm, for this example, I'm going to use it's going to be one place. Most men are at the grill, right? Say there's not a TV in the home. How many people does it take to run a grill? One. What are the men doing at that grill? Why are they even at the grill? Like, you want me to flip that hamburger for you, Frank? Like, is that it? Is that it? Hey, those wainies don't look good, boy. You got to do something with them. Like, what are they doing? Like, why do we do that? Why do we do that? Why do we do that? The reason we do that is because we want to be needed. We want to do something. It is in our wiring because that is respect. We don't want to just go somewhere and plop down and do nothing. That is not who we are. It is not how we're wired. We have to do something. That is who we are made to be. And that is our way of showing respect and receiving respect because when they're around that grill, what are they talking about? Back in high school, I broke the state record for running back. Right now, I got the belly flop back. Like, that is what it is. Like, it's, it's glory days. Why, why, why do they share those stories? Because of the respect. They were at a place where they were respected. It is what they crave. It's what they crave. Respect. Respect. And so this is really, really hard for us. And I want you to know, ladies, the death knell for a man and the death knell of a relationship with your man is to know that he's not needed. It will completely break his spirit. It will break him. And that to him will feel like the ultimate disrespect. It's not to know that he's not doing anything. It's not to know that he can't have a break. It's to be like, I don't need you. That's the hardest thing for a man to deal with. Now, we all need Jesus. I'm not telling you that your spouse is your salvation. I'll unpack that in a second. But ladies, and I could be wrong with this, but I'm going to be real with you. You love easy. Because not many, not many people would put up with a puking, screaming, crying thing that is literally taking sustenance from you, punch bagging your bladder for nine months, like just, you know, punching your lungs, doing everything all the way through. Not many people would do that. I know most men, we wouldn't. We just, can I change the channel on this thing yet? Like, what is going on? Like, can we fast forward? Like, what is happening? You love easy, but you respect slow. It takes time to get respect. It takes time to have respect. And as you give that respect, I want you to know that that's important, and I want to tell you why. We talked about it the other week. Your competency is higher than ours, ladies. No spikes. I'm proud of you. Uh, your competency is higher. Remember the corpus callosum? We talked about how men and how we can be singular-focused. That's why we go to the grill. We just try not to burn down the house, honestly. But, like, singular-focused, but ladies can multitask. It's important for us. Here's my example for this. If you send me to the grocery store to get something for a salad, you send your husband to the grocery store to get a salad, what do you, what, does he come back with what you expected? You just say, hey, go get the stuff for a salad. See, here's what I get from that. Before you throw it at me that I'm not married, but this is real. Um, I need something green. I need something red. I need something orange. And maybe there's some purple in there. And obviously, a big vat of ranch dressing. Like, that's probably what it is. So, like, so let's see, what do we got? Uh, kale, 
Cheetos, Cheetos are orange, that'll work. Cheetos will work. Apples, apples, apples are red, that may work. Apples will work, and then something purple. Oh, goodness, something purple. What can I get that's Plums. I'm going to get some plums. And he brings it home, and you get there, and when he comes home, and you're just like, you are terrible. Like, what kind of salad is this? What are we going to do? But the kids are happy because they got Cheetos. I'm just going to be real with you. But like, whatever that is, like, you're trying to figure that out. And you can go to the store, ladies, and the difference is how you can multitask is you literally can be having a conversation on your phone, texting. You've got kids all over the place. You're stopping the cereal from falling down on the top, while at the same time having the, the judo-like maneuver and the ninja-like maneuver to swat the kid's hand away at the checkout counter so they don't get the impulse item, and you can do that. We can't. So send him to the store with pictures. I know that sounds crazy, but we're visual. Send me to the store with pictures. I don't know the difference sometimes between iceberg lettuce and cabbage. They look the same to me. Like, I'm going to come home with the wrong thing. Help him out there. Why am I going, why am I going to this when I say this? Some men are coming home five, home five minutes late from work, and you're ripping him apart because he's five minutes late from work. How could you? You said you were going to be on time. You said you were going to do this. How could you? And I want to tell you, it breaks a man's spirit. You want to know why men are workaholics? Because they get more respect at work than they do at home. And if you want your home to be filled with love and respect, sometimes you just have to have that give and take. So when I say for, for this salad example, when I talk about this, I want to be real with you. When I say this salad example and spending, sending, sending him to the store with pictures, why this matters so much when it comes to respect. And this is going to be anybody in your life. Men, this is going to be any lady in your life you want to love. That's what she craves. And, and women, men, you want to know how you can get the best salad possible? the best thing possible. I go to my man, William Wallace or General Patton. Like William Wallace, think about that. What did he do? You got all these guys with like sticks out there. They're ready to go. He's riding his horse. He's got his war paint. I mean, if you want to send him to the store with war paint on, do your thing. But like he's ready to go. And he's like, they may never take, they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. And like everybody's like, you see these guys ready to go. Patton is known famously for saying, men, there are thousands of Nazis over that hill. And when we go to go over that hill, all all of us are probably going to die there. Now, if he just stopped at that, how many people you think would have fought for Patton? Zero. But here's how he always ended his pep talks, his speeches. There's not a finer group of men, more courageous, more uptight, like more respectful, more fighting. There's not a better group of men that I would rather die with than you. And they were like, yeah, like they just go crazy and they go storm that hill. In other words, before you send your man out for a salad, give him a pep talk. Look at what's happening. Why do you think athletes do it? And you let him know, you are the best salad buyer in the world. You're going to go in there, and you're going to get some lettuce, and you're going to get some tomatoes, and you're going to pick the best carrots. I mean, carrots like nobody else can see, and radish, radish, the best radish. And when you go pick up that ranch, you're going to know we need the light instead of the full calorie one. Like, you are the best. When you walk in that store, you're going to see all these men walking in there, and they're going to look like they're good salad pickers, but you're the best salad picker. And when you come back in this house, we're going to have the best best salad we've ever had. I'm telling you right now, you're going to get the best salad you ever had. You're probably going to get some roses. You're probably going to get some chocolate. I'm going to be real with you. It's going to happen because there's respect. There's respect. It's what we crave. Like, I'm fired up to do it right now. I just gave myself a pep talk. Like, 
If you do that with your husband or the men in your life, the sons in your life, you do that, the nephews, the grandsons in your life, you will see a change in them that you've never seen before. Why does this always matter? And why does it come back to these in relationships? And I'm saying living on love. Because loved women react with respect and fight to stay in men. Respected men react with love and fight to stay in women. So as you have this give and take of love and respect that's constantly swirling in this relationship, it is building upon each other. And men, as you love her, and, you, and I'm telling you, you're going to love her when she gives you that kind of pep talk. Today, some men are ready to go grocery shopping. I can't wait. Like, it's ready to go. Like, or, 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 hey, the only reason, like, there's no gas in the tank when you get in the car is because you're the best gas pumper I know. Like, you pick the best pumps. Like, whatever that is. I don't care. Like, just help the man have some respect. And I'm telling you, you'll see a change in him and how he loves you like never before because the entire world is telling him he doesn't have what it takes. And his, he will try to prove the world wrong. The difference is he shouldn't have to come home and prove you wrong. So ladies, that's what he means by respect. And so you may be asking this, you may be in a relationship and you're back in that crossroads and you're saying, well, it's all great that you're talking about husbands and wives and love and respect. So who goes first? And I just moved to say you do. Husband or wife, you go first. Because Christ went first for us. You go first. If you're in a home without respect, give respect and watch what happens. If you're in a home without love, men, give love and watch how respect grows. It's that simple. What are you craving? What are you craving? For each and every one of us, our life on our earth should be craving something. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 said it. It's how we started. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Your spouse is your complement, not your completion. Your spouse is with you to complement you. Both complement each other with love and respect. And when you have your children grow up in a home with love and respect, what do you think they're going to do in the world? They're going to love and respect. They're going to love and respect. You see, this is important for all of us because we know that only in Christ can we have completion. That's only found in the free gift of salvation. But as we live out loving God and loving others, if we understand that the, the daughters in our life, the women in our life, they wake up craving love, how much better can we serve them? If we understand the men in our life wake up craving respect, wondering if they have what it takes, do I have what it takes for this, how much better can we serve them? And how much better can we point to Jesus all the way through? Remember, that's why Jesus chose 12 outcasts to go bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. 12 guys that didn't have what it took to get there, didn't have what it took in terms of the church, didn't have what it took in terms of society. Shoot, they couldn't even catch fish well, apparently, because they threw the net on the wrong side of the boat. But instead, he still worked through them to show them they had enough. And every time he encountered a woman, what did he do? He showed them love. He showed him love. The woman at the well, he showed her love. The woman caught in adultery, he showed her love. His mother, he showed her love on the cross. All the way through, he showed love. So I think that all of us can learn something here and that we can see what we crave. Because in our life, if we live our life and the cravings of the body is this, we all long for salvation and completion. 
But if we live in the cravings of the body or image, it will say we can only work and earn our way to salvation. 100% the body will tell you that. The soul will tell you, I just want to experience salvation. I want to have an emotional experience. I want to have a freeing experience. I just want to experience salvation. And what you'll do is you'll go through a constant cycle of raised hands at multiple services, at multiple points in your life, and multiple baptisms in your life, and you'll never be fully surrendered. The only way that knows the way to salvation and already knows the way to life is being awakened in the Spirit. Why am I sharing this when it comes to cravings? Why am I sharing this when it comes to us being blameless at the time of the Lord? Because Christ died so that we could be one in him, so that we can be with him forever in eternity. That is why he came. And when we read his word, it says in his word that through Christ, we are more than conquerors. There was an MMA fight last night, 100%. I didn't get to watch it. Y'all know I'm terrible with TV, but, but somebody in that ring won. Somebody won that fight. Somebody conquered their opponent. And you know who was the more than conqueror? The person who was eating Cheetos on their couch watching it because they got to enjoy it and they got to be more than a conqueror. That's what we have. Jesus Christ came. He conquered sin, death, the grave, hell. He defeated sin in our life. And because of that, we get to be more than conquerors. We can experience that. Our craving doesn't have to be the things of this world. It can be something greater. Being led by the Spirit, we get to be more than conquerors. And when we understand that, our eyes will be open to those around us and the needs and the cravings of those around us. So my question is this, are you living in the body? Are you living in the soul? Are you led by the Spirit? What's the craving of your life? Because in your relationship, if you're led by the Spirit, men, you will love your wife as you love yourself. Ladies, if you are led by the Spirit, you will respect your husband by letting him know he has what it takes. He is enough. You will respect him. But some of us can't do that because we've never surrendered our life to Christ. Romans 5, 6 through 8 talks about the cravings of us and talks about where we are, and it says this. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. All of us are needing death for our sin. And in Christ is the only way that that penalty is paid. Otherwise, we will pay our life and die for our own sin and spend eternity in hell. But Christ came to set us free from that so that we could be fully who we were created to be. And the question I have for you is, have you ever received that free gift of salvation? The reason we do what we do today is the real thing that all of us crave isn't chips ahoy. It's really freedom from sin. We all crave it. We all crave being set free from image. We all crave being set free from being led by our emotions and not knowing what the day will bring. And that can only be found in Christ Jesus. So right now, I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads, and we're going to pray out loud for the benefit of those coming to the faith for the first time, because I believe that right now, more than ever, the Holy Spirit is knocking. The Holy Spirit's knocking on the door, and the question is, the question is for us, will you surrender to it? 
We're going to say this prayer. It's not the words of this prayer that saves you, but the faith that Jesus is who he says he is in this prayer. And I'm going to ask everyone to repeat after me. And I just want you to know what you're praying before we do that. You're praying that Jesus is who he says he is, that he came, lived the perfect sinless life we couldn't live, paid the penalty for our sins on the cross by dying for us, but loved us enough not to stay dead. He rose again on the third day so that we could have life. We could have the Holy Spirit inside of us, the same spirit that raised him from the dead and be fully who he created us to be now. We don't have to wait until eternity to do it so that we can be found blameless when he returns. And so with every head bow and every eye closed, I'm going to ask you to please repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you came, lived the perfect sinless life I couldn't live, died the death I deserve, paying the penalty for my sin on the cross, but loved me enough not to stay dead, but rose again on the third day so that I may have life. Come take over my life, Lord. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how. With every head bow and every eye closed, if you can say for the first time you fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit and you have given your life to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to be bold. I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. One, two, three. If you're in the house today and for the first time you can say that you have given your life to Christ, raise your hand. If you're watching online right now, you're going to see a hand that's raised, or maybe you're listening throughout the week, you can reach out to us at prayer at divine.tv or 864-580-6698. We would love to celebrate this decision with you so that you are no longer a slave to your emotions, no longer a slave to the image. Instead, you are now set free in Christ. If that's you today, would you please respond? And for the rest of us, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing a song about where we run. All the way through, I would just ask, what are we running to? Are we running in the right direction? Are we running from God? Are we running for God? Are we trying to live in our cravings, or do we understand that He craves that a lost and dying world would know Him, and He uses us as His vessels to bring His light to the ends of the earth? And as we run to Him, no matter what season we're in, we can love Him with all our heart, mind, and soul, and strength, and we can love others as ourselves. So, dear Jesus, as we get ready to sing this, I pray that we would be reminded that we can always run to you no matter what season we're in, no matter what we are walking through, no matter when the winds and the waves crash, no matter when it seems like all else is falling around us, that you are stable, you are our rock, and you are the one that sets us free. So I pray today as we run that we would run to you like never before, and not to the things of our body, not to the things that only please us or temporarily satisfy us, but instead, Jesus, we would run to you who fulfills us forever. We love you, Jesus. We can't believe you let us get to do this today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Y'all stand and sing with us.
Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Hopefully you learned something new. Did anybody learn anything new? Men, you know where to go at the barbecue, the grill, right, right? And, and ladies, you know how to pump him up to go get some salad and, I don't know, breadsticks, 
I didn't say the Olive Garden, although they may be a whatever that is. You know, we learned something today where we can love and respect each other to live out fully, living on love, to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love others as ourselves. Speaking of which, I would love to see you here next week, and I promise you it'll be a house filled with love and respect, and we have a seat saved for you as we kick off our series called Death Defeated, and we celebrate and lead up to Easter where we can be so thankful that wherever we run, Jesus is there. Isn't that something to celebrate? We'd love to celebrate it with you. Have an awesome week, and always remember the best is still yet to come.